Gossip Nista here, your one and only source into the real lives of New Yorkers and what it's like to live in New York City. So is it all glitz and glamour? Where do you start? What should you know? And who am I? I'll tell you everything you need to know and you'll thank me for it. XOXO, Gossip Nista. Hello and welcome. Do I have an episode for you today? Yes, we have a Gossip Girl star on the show. It's Jonathan Fernandez who plays Nick Law on the new Gossip Girl. And of course, we are going to be talking the upcoming season of Gossip Girl that premieres December 1st, the second season in our interview. Plus, you're going to hear some fun behind the scenes stories of the cast Living in NYC, which Jonathan will share a bit of, we'll also dive into Jonathan's story as a native New Yorker and his absolute love for the city. But before we jump into that and so much more, let me just start by saying welcome to the Gossip Nista podcast, a podcast whose name evolved from Gossip Girl, but where more often than not, it's a resource for those who love NYC and who want to learn everything and anything about this amazing city and its people. I'm your host. Mariana Monks, and my guest today, Jonathan Fernandez, was an absolute dream to interview. Let me start by saying he is nothing like his character, Nick Law on Gossip Girl, and you won't believe some of the fun things he's into. Hear this, like riding a motorcycle in the city, skateboarding, comics and anime. He also speaks Spanish because he's Afro-Latino. He knows Japanese, and he has a background in comedy. Wow, can we say talented? Nick was so gracious with his time. We'll also get into the original Gossip Girl. Yes, we will talk about that. Of course, the new Gossip Girl, his journey of becoming an actor, projects he's currently working on, and so much New York City. So without further ado, let's just dive into my conversation with Jonathan Fernandez, or Jonathan Fernandez. Hey, everyone. I cannot believe who I have on the podcast today. It's the one and only Jonathan Fernandez from Gossip Girl. He plays Nick Lott. Welcome, Jonathan. How are you doing today? Hey, you know, I mean, very kind introduction. Uh, I'm happy to be here. Thank you so much. Uh, This is gonna be great. Absolutely. I I mean, I'm, I'm beyond excited. I have a ton of questions for you. And just give me a little context about the podcast. So you know, the podcast is for New Yorkers that live here and for those that are aspiring to move to New York, I love to kind of just start with knowing about one's New York story. So we'll kind of open it that way. And then, of course, I know everyone's going to want to know about Gossip Girl and the new <laughs> second season that's coming up. So we'll dive into that. But the first question that I asked Jonathan is, are you originally a native to New York City? Are you from here or from somewhere else? Yeah, I'm from here. Um, I was born in Brooklyn, uh, down at uh, hospitals called Maimonides. uh, But I think it's in Borough Park. Uh, I always forget. It's like definitely south of like Kensington uh, in like a Hasidic neighborhood. And uh, in my first like, my early formative years were in like Flatbush area and a little bit of Bay Ridge, Sunset Park, uh, and then eventually we moved to the Poconos, and that's where I went to uh, like junior high and high school and stuff. But uh, wow! As, as I graduated and moved out, uh, I went straight to New York City again, and 
there's some LA in there and stuff, but like most of my life has been in New York city. Um, mm -hmm. and this is kind of what I consider to be my, my hometown, even though like when I go to like back where like my parents are and all that stuff, like I do, it does feel like a second hometown. And obviously, I mean, I spent a lot of years there, but, uh, when I go and like, if it wasn't for my parents, like I would never go back. Like it doesn't feel. Wow. Okay. Um, are we talking the Poconos or like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the Poconos. Okay. Yeah. And so, uh, so it feels like it's funny. Cause it's like, I spent a ton of time there. Like I said, like late elementary, junior high, high school, and then college was at Penn state uh, a few hours away from there. But yeah, it just feels like, I don't know. New York is the thing that feels like more my speed, more of my sensibility, more of like where I actually come from. Um, even though, uh, there's a lot of Pennsylvania strewn about. Oh my God. Well, it's two different worlds. I mean, the Poconos is like a resort town. It's it's all, you know, kind of more relaxed, vacation, uh, skiing, uh, what is it, like boating and all that stuff, right? If, I, if I'm if i not mistaken, my husband loves getting away to the Poconos. And then there's oh, New York City, which is madness. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, we had definitely like my brother and I, an idyllic lifestyle where it was very outdoorsy. We were in all the sports. Um, my first jobs were like working canoe delivery services like up and down the Delaware River and uh you know hiking and working at Shawnee Mountain uh the ski resort and also Camelback and all those places so it definitely felt like yeah yeah we did like all the like outdoorsy like resorty type things um it was always nice to be in the woods and stuff like that which is great but it's definitely a very different vibe obviously you got the best of both worlds i love that i love hearing that you, you know i wouldn't have known this so thank you for sharing that okay but yeah, first. back to you being a native new yorker all right so what was it like growing up in the city before you headed over to, to pa what what was that experience like and then coming back yeah i mean it's uh i think i forget like the eight, I think it was like seven or eight when we moved out of here. So it was still pretty young, but like, mm -hmm. it's hard for me to feel like it wasn't longer than that because like all, like we were the first ones to get a house outside of New York city, my family. And so like, we never, like we were back here all the time. It was like, it felt like every weekend and like my grandmother uh, was still like taking care of me and my brother. And so it was like all the functions were here except for like the Every once in a while, we had some like big family reunion down the Poconos because we did have the country house or the yes. country house in quotes. The bigger and, um, space, yeah. Yeah, it's, and it was just funny too because like now when I like my parents' house is just like such a modest, nice home. And I remember growing up and being like, "Wow, this house is huge!" But now, comparatively speaking, it's like you know, so many of the other suburban houses are like so much bigger and like it, it feels like unnecessary amount of space. And like our house was like very compact, mm -hmm. but yeah, no. So like you know, growing up, I would go to the bodega, like by myself to get milk and stuff like that. And like, I don't think I was quite at the age to like ride the subway by myself, but like neighborhood wise, it felt very, you know, like the pulse of the city, very like, Hey Arnold, um, mm -hmm. like yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. And, uh, Hey Arnold, I love that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, well, it truly was like that, you know, you, the kids were on the stoop and like you would hang out and you, uh, I never played stickball hilariously enough. Cause I think I feel like stickball is kind of like an older thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, handball at the handball courts and like all that stuff. And then when, when I was living outside the city and then coming back, it was always nice to just like fall back into that groove and, you know, walk around and really feel like the pulse and the energy and, and having like way too many people around and all that stuff. And, uh, uh, but I think because of that foundation, you know, the city's not for everybody. Like it, it, it's a, a very vivid place that has like a very fast rhythm to it mm -hmm. and for some people that doesn't feel all that appealing but when that is kind of your baseline it's nice to come back and feel it because you just kind of fall right into it even when i was living in los angeles for five years like every time i came back like the moment we got out of like 
the plane or the car, or the train or whatever. It's like the, the moment our feet were hitting the pavement, like my wife and I were just like, boom, like all of a sudden it's like, we're late. Like whatever, you know, they're like every New Yorker is always late, <laughs> you know, no matter like, you're like, let's go yeah, we're ready. Yeah, right like, away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, for that. sure. So it was like, yeah. So that was kind of like the baseline for the whole thing. Oh my gosh. So since you referenced LA a couple of times, I want to know, did you, um, did Gossip Girl bring you back to New York city or had you been in New York prior to the Gossip Girl, um, show? Yeah, no. So, um, yeah, the thing that brought me out to LA was lethal weapon. And then we did that for three seasons, um, for Fox at Warner brothers. And then the year that we got canceled, I did some movies and stuff like that and some like guest art kind of things and then um and then yeah gossip girl was the reason to to come back to new york and originally we were just like going to be here just for the filming and we we're going to try to like maybe get a house in in uh, santa monica or somewhere out in like in um in the water but then honestly like when we started looking at real estate here and stuff like that we were just like we would just rather be here like la is great southern california is great but like or at least rather having this that sensibility of like a New Yorker and having it reignited when we came back, even though we moved back during the pandemic, it was still felt like it felt like LA is always kind of a pandemic. <laughs> you know, like it's okay, always yes, like really yeah, yeah, isolated. It's not as vivid and busy and so forth. Right. Yeah. It's always mm-hmm. like isolating and people don't want to do anything. Nobody wants to drive or go anywhere, all that stuff. Um, and so coming back here in August, 2020 and, and feeling that like immediate bumping of the city and like people, everybody was wearing masks and, and right away, you just had such a like a humanity and community vibe that like is very hard to replicate outside of New York City, in my opinion. So yeah, so but we moved back for for Gossip Girl. We were in one of the first shows to start shooting during the pandemic. Wow. When did you guys? I mean, I don't want to dive into it. Yeah, but when did you guys start shooting in, in the midst of the? It pandemic? was it was pushed back a couple of times, but it was um eventually. I think it was like November first or something of uh, twenty twenty. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. Okay. So what I'm Which especially to... feels like pretty bananas now thinking about it in retrospect because that was like well before vaccines. And so oh. we were just like, it feels like nuts that that was a thing that happened. Knock on wood and everyone's well. The show's thriving. Yeah. Everything's good. So that's good. Right? <laughs> Thank I mean, you, we're, yeah. we're good on that aspect. Okay. So what I heard is that Lethal Weapon took you out to LA. Gossip Girl brought you back to New York City. Let's take it back a little bit i want to know like what are the some of the neighborhoods that you've landed upon when you have lived in new york city and where are you now right like uh funny enough um i feel like my first apartment and most of the time in my like before la most of my time was funny enough spent on the upper east side Mm, so like my first apartment my first apartment after college was like uh was 86th and 2nd and I was there for a couple of years, and then uh, and then I was on Roosevelt Island, which I'm usually the only person everybody's ever known to have like lived there. <laughs> Seriously, um, though, I mean, I, yeah. I still think like I don't know too many people, so that's awesome. Okay, yeah, no. so I was there for like a couple of years, and then uh, and then Brooklyn for a little bit, only like not even a year, I think, and then back to the Upper East Side, and then I was there for several years. That's where my uh, when my wife and I first started living together officially was there. And we were there for like four years or something um, and really liked it. I mean, we're like boring people. We don't drink. We don't uh, do. I've never tried a drug in my life. And uh, and we're not, never been like party people. Um, so like the Upper East Side was like great. <laughs> like, you know, it was definitely, you know, a lot of parental nonsense and like dogs and Yorkies and strollers and stuff like that. But uh, right. But it was nice to like be there and then leave to go to the madness whether it's like the east village or wherever we're going to go to hang out but then go back to something that's like slightly more domestic 
And so like, and plus like she, she worked up there, like that's where her job was and I could be anywhere. So it didn't really matter. But, um, but yeah. And then when we moved back after LA, mm-hmm. we were in Williamsburg for a year. And then, and I actually, at one point, like all of us, it was like, none of us live there anymore. We all kind of moved out. But like, at one point it was like every other block was someone from the show, like within the same avenues even. So it was like Zion and then Whitney and then me and then Eli, we were like all of this like strip right there. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. And now, uh, now we live in like Borm Hill slash Gowanus in Brooklyn. Okay. Okay. Wow. You've had quite an adventure, you know, with, with <laughs> New York, you know, Manhattan and Brooklyn. I absolutely love that. You know, you're associated to the Upper East Side, which a lot of people would associate Gossip Girl to that specifically, you know, just based on where it started, but we're in Brooklyn now, right? So are you in Brooklyn? You're, you just noted. Yeah. yeah in Borm Hill. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Where okay. do you live? I'm in like the Kipps Bay, Murray Hill area. Oh, cool. In Manhattan. Yeah. Haven't made my way to Brooklyn. Definitely love Brooklyn. Yeah, that's the one thing that's like nice about um uh where we are now mm-hmm. that I feel like it's a very unique part of the city in general, but Brooklyn definitely that within a few minutes we are we're like in this weird spot uh or unusual spot that like has so much access to so many different type of very buzzy neighborhoods um mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. within maximum 15 minutes uh we're in carroll gardens uh cobble hill park slope the heart of Gowanus, the heart of borm hill also for green and actually just recently i went to governor's island from here and i walked to the ferry it was like a 23 minute walk or something which is like not terrible okay. at all yeah, yeah, yeah um and so like from door to door like from my door to where i was going on the far edge of governor's island was like 40 minutes and i was like this is wild like i feel like <laughs> most places most times you wouldn't even say like let's go to governor's island because it'd be like a whole thing to get there an adventure um, to get there yeah yeah so from here like having access to also like i've done the walk to dumbo and it's like 45 minutes or something and um mm-hmm. but it's like all of it is so accessible especially like downtown Brooklyn and stuff like that. It's really nice. I'm going to ask you, can you paint a picture around the area that Borum Hill is around like other uh, neighborhoods just so that that don't know Brooklyn too well, like maybe they could register with with where it's at geographically? Sure. Yeah. The easiest thing is to say that Borum Hill is like five blocks from Barclay Center. It's also this amazing station because it's like you have, you can get to any part of the city and beyond and beyond like from this place uh, where we are, and which we didn't even realize when we moved here. I'm gonna go clockwise. You have Gowanus, then it's Carroll Gardens, well, further beyond is Red Hook, uh, then Carroll Gardens, then Cobble Hill, then you have downtown Brooklyn, then pretty much directly north is Fort, Fort Green, and then east is Park Slope, and Park Slope is pretty big. And if you wanna keep walking like a mile and a half, then it's like Prospect Heights, which is another like nice neighborhood, and also like, Prospect Park is uh, like a mile walk too. So it's just like really, really central. And I don't even think I mentioned Borm Hill, which is technically where we are by like a block, like the next block over is Gowanus uh, or not even, it's like half a block is the the zoning. But yeah, Borm Hill is just like an old neighborhood that is really known for its like uh, brownstones and like cute streets. Uh, everything is very mm-hmm. leafy and and uh, a lot of like trees and big lots on some of this the neighbor uh, some of the streets and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, and and you can get on the LIRR from here at Atlantic Station as well to like go to Long Island. Like it's really wild. You've, you've literally sold me on that area. <laughs> I, I, yeah. That's my next spot. Everyone's like looking it up right now. I love yeah, it. No, I love Thank it. You. So, um, Jonathan, 
more specifically, just some likes and dislikes about New York City. Is there any anything that sticks out to you? I'd, I'd love to kind of hear some things you like. Uh, that's a good question. I think like before I went out to Santa Monica, I was for the first time just starting to feel like some grading from the city, like some things that like I never thought about where it all of a sudden started like irritate me. Um, mm. And I'll try to think of specific examples, but I remember like this little thing, you know, like it's, it's often that the subways are not like working well, but then when they do work well, you don't even think about it. It's like the internet, when the internet goes down, you're like, what's happening? You know, it's right, like, right. it works like a decent amount of the time or else you'd be like truly losing your mind. Um, although I did read some metrics somewhere that the, the subway, the New York city subway in being one of the worst in the world, only runs like 33% efficiency or something like some really like low number. And that was even before like Sandy, I think I was reading that. So who knows what it is now? Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe it's better. I don't know. uh, Cause they did a lot of fixes, but, but yeah, no, I like there's a lot outside of your control. I think anywhere, but definitely in New York city, you feel it a little more because you know, like the heating, for instance, like if you have, if you're in an older building and there's like the water heating, it makes a lot of noise when it turns on, like, you know, or off in the clanging because of the water, inside the pressure and all that stuff Mm -hmm. yeah and uh and you and i think people i feel like people that are not from new york that's something that they're always really surprised by when they're like visiting and and they're like what's that noise And you're like it's the heat and they're like what and they're they're like can you like turn it off you're like no (laughs) (laughs) which is like pretty outrageous when you think about it like in in terms of just a a regular regular housing somewhere else um so it's just like no it's a a certain temperature now and it's just going to kick on from now for the next five and a half months or whatever mm-hmm. um and so like that in and of itself is fine but when it's mixed in with like dealing with this building super that may or may not be you know that's communicative or that trustworthy or good at his job and right. then you also have like uh like parking is almost impossible and sometimes when you like city bikes are cool but sometimes when you really need the one that's close by it has there's no bikes there and mm-hmm. and then when you're rushing to get to your next thing and it might be like here also you feel all the elements like you're always outside in the cold and the heat the humidity the rain the snow like you feel it every single block even if you're just running down the street mm-hmm. um and in other places you don't have that because even even in los angeles like people really crack me up where their version of snow is like rain so like for <laughs> them like people don't do stuff in the rain they'll be like oh right, it's raining right. i'm not gonna go to this thing like uh i went to this one premiere for a friend's movie and they they were worried about like the turnout because it was raining. <laughs> I was like, mm-hmm. people here just like don't do stuff in the rain, which like was really hilarious to me. But right. um, because you could easily go from where you live and have a garage and then drive to the next garage and not feel the rain at all. Absolutely. And like there's parking yeah. decks everywhere. And yeah. so you could go to the mall, go to restaurants or whatever, and like someone is taking care of your car for valet and you you might feel the sprinkle a little bit, but not the way you do in New York. Mm-hmm. Um and so like I think collectively all those things just slowly started spiking for me a little bit of uh, just general annoyance in a way that they hadn't. And the the thing that brought it back down to zero was getting, uh, and initially had a Vespa and then I went to uh, get a Harley and like those, those, those vehicles. And now I have more, now it's a problem. Now we have a few bikes. And Wait, my, my in wife, New York, you have a Vespa and a Harley? I don't have the Vespa anymore, but I do. Uh, the Vespa actually gave to my brother, but like um, he lives in Los Angeles, but like, the i have a harley and a triumph here and my wife has uh, a triumph as well she has her oh, own wow. uh okay. her license and everything but mm-hmm. but when i got the vespa initially that just like reset 
all the grievances I had with New York because the access level just skyrocketed, you know, being able to just go to auditions in my, on my Vespa and like park pretty much anywhere yeah. um, or just like hop on the FDR or whatever and get down to the Lower East Side in like two seconds and park in front of the place I'm going to or go to Brooklyn. And like you, you'd never in New York is rare for you to go and just show face somewhere, especially if it's a, in a different borough. Because it takes too, it takes too long. Right. Like I'm not gonna right. go just to like be there for 15 minutes. That makes no sense. Yeah. But with the Vespa and and subsequently motorcycles, like I was able to do that. Just be like, yeah, we'll go, and then like we'll even leave late, and then come back, and it won't be that late, and we don't have to worry about like the subways getting all jacked up like after 9 right. p.m. or midnight or whatever. Uh, we'll be home in like 15 minutes. Like it was, it's really, it was baffling to me how different of a lifestyle it became. Um, so I would to anybody listening, if you were like either in New York already or uh, thinking about moving and you're either thinking about also getting like a motorcycle or, or Vespa or moped, scooter, or whatever, I would 1000 uh, percent like lobby you into getting it for sure. Oh, I love that. OK, so what about like for those that are like me, maybe like scary cats and they're like, oh, my God, the traffic in New York is already crazy. I can imagine being in a motorcycle, a Vespa or a scooter without being knock on wood, you know? Yeah, is yeah, yeah. Cool yeah, I think uh, totally. I mean, like 100 percent. I think that um, it's for everyone. Like I've met a lot of cool people motorcycling, especially like throughout the country. But here in the city, I, I really like it because no one something that's very unique about the city in respect to two wheeled vehicles. Um, and if you're not into like the, the motorized version, like I would say definitely get a bicycle because you can get around so easy. Um, but this town is very used to non vehicular things <laughs> out on the road. You know, okay. like there's people walking everywhere. There's bicycles everywhere. Uh, there's scooters, there's uh, skateboarders, like all over. So, so there's a very controlled chaos to New York in a way that other places don't have. Right. And also, like people, because of that, like the the speed the speed limits are also like so low. Mm -hmm. Like even on the FDR, I think it's like I don't even think it's fifty technically. I think it's like forty five or something. But like everywhere else, it's twenty five. So like nobody's really going faster than like thirty miles an hour. Every once in a while, you'll have like some lunatic that's going by super fast. Um, yeah. But generally, it's very controlled so it's like okay. you can just kind of fit into it and it's not this like obnoxious thing that where like in LA you're always on highways you're always on these vast boulevards and people are always going like 50 plus on these things mm -hmm. uh so I don't know I I, I recommend it for sure I, I love how you put it that way but also just have your spidey senses <laughs> I'm sure you have good ones you oh know? yeah I mean that's the thing you definitely like, they tell you in the motorcycle manual is like just because you make eye contact with a person in a car doesn't mean that they see you. Like you have no idea mm -hmm. what their situation is and what they're actually looking at. Uh, so you definitely always have to like, I drive like a grandpa, like on the thing, like I'm always like double checking everything and like always uh, like never going as, as fast as I want to just because it's not worth it. Like you're all, you're all going to be at the same red light soon anyway. And uh, you have to basically be pretending like you're going to get hit in any second. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. So you kind of noted some likes, and dislikes in there. Um, now uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of switch gears here, and I'm gonna ask a controversial question. Um, you know, and, and it's one that you know I want to ask from a native New Yorker. I want to ask from yourself, Jonathan. It's it's that whole you live in New York. What officially makes you a New Yorker, right? Like you know, some people say it's like you got to be born here. That could be just a native New Yorker. Some people say you got to be ten years here. I mean, what's your thought and and theory on that? Um, 
I think a little bit of an outside of the box answer would be your willingness to talk to strangers. And I say that because like, I think New York gets a bad rap with, you know, saying like people are nasty here or like jerks or whatever. But I I have, I'm like, in my experience and just from what I've seen, I'm a firm believer that like a New Yorker will give you their, the shirt off their back. They just might not be nice about it because they're dealing with a ton of bullshit at the time. Mm. So, you know, so like, because like all those things I mentioned earlier, like the water heaters, like the weather, like not being able to get a cab, your subways breaking down, there's leaks and puddles and like all this stuff. So by the time you get to this New Yorker and you're like, hey, how do I get to Times Square? They're like, it's one block this way and an avenue over to the right. And they're like already gone by the time you're like processing. But my point is that they still told you. And I brought this up recently. Uh, I've been bringing up recently to a lot of my friends. And I feel like in New York, you're, you're going to meet a stranger that, and that's the thing. It's not about like having full conversations. Like sometimes you will, but you have these like run-ins with people, people that you won't know their names. You won't like exchange information, but you'll like, you'll have like this random inter- interaction where you're like, you'll think about this person for the rest of your life. Mm. We were just like, or tell a story about this person be like, dude, I met this guy or this person, whatever that like, I don't know, this weird thing happened. It's just like, and, and you just, it, it becomes part of your tale. It becomes part of your saga and part of your thing that, you know, it, it disseminate that information to other people eventually. And I feel yeah. like, I feel like this place is like a place where that happens. And Absolutely. that's not usually the case elsewhere. And, and how friendly you get with the places you go to all the time, like your butcher and, and, uh, or the bodega you always go to or whatever, or it's like, I don't know, in a place that's very brusque and very, sometimes like uh, a lot of friction it just feels like there's a lot of room here to be very neighborhoody in a way that's not like oh i love small talk like you know many people don't but it's like it's different than that it's a it's a different shared sense of like humanity and like and and realities to where it feels like it very it feels very comforting to me yeah no and i love the way you noted it i started feeling it as you were talking about it you know these moments that kind of only happen in new york and so with that being said like literally my next question was like do you have an only a New York moment that has happened? Like something where you're like, ah, this only happens in New York or that really stayed with me. And I, you know, I haven't forgotten it. Yeah. Um, I can mention one that happened recently that I was thinking about. Cause like the marathon was just like, we lived close to, to fourth Avenue where, uh, mm-hmm. which is like the first main drag, of the marathon through, through Brooklyn from Staten Island. And my wife and I were having some people over and I had to go, go out and get some, some last minute items. And, you know, the last thing you want to do is like go out to the, like, whether it's a parade or a marathon, like you don't want to have to go outside if you don't have to, or like, let alone drive somewhere. And, um, and so I was like running some errands and, uh, and I think something very New York-y happened where like, I haven't seen the marathon in many years because I wasn't living here for five of those years out in LA, but just getting to fourth Avenue. Cause I, I, unfortunately I was like, dang, I'm going to have to cross fourth Avenue. Like I, the thing I need to do is over there. And so getting to that corner and just seeing like, like all these things happening, I was like, this is so New York right now where it's like, I had to go into this wine place uh, to ask if they sold uh, some bartending equipment or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the guy was in there by himself and next door was a music, uh, a music school and there was a band playing outside the music school, like for the celebrations of the marathon. And yeah. like, and the dude is just like at, in the wine store, he's just like chilling, like reading a magazine or something. And it's so loud. Like it's, oh, it's so uh-huh. loud from the music where the guy's just like, 
a non-plus. It's just like what his day is just like what's happening in New York. And you see this massive marathon, one of the most famous marathons in the world mm-hmm. happening mm-hmm. right there. But he's like chilling on his magazine or whatever, trying not probably not to lose his mind with how loud everything is. And then just seeing like this, seeing the support of people uh, that are also supporting strangers. And I think that's, that's something that like you get on television, but not quite as much as seeing in real life that people have billboards where they just like the marathon and they're making these billboards for the random person, yeah. you know, not just their friends, you know, just like cheering and having the drinks and having like, you know, giving little knickknacks and stuff like that. So people feel like people that are participating that supported. don't do it professionally. Yeah. yeah feel so super supported. And you have that. And it's like up and down the entire 26 miles. And I, I think people don't really realize that except for, you know, on the bridges and stuff. Yeah. But that's like, so that feels so New Yorky mixed in with the guy at the magazine. And then mixed in with me where I'm just like, I just need to get across. Like, I didn't clap for anybody. Like, I didn't smile at any runners. I was just like looking like, you know, basically it felt like I was just about trying to look for my, I'm, I'm trying to step into like a double Dutch, you know, where I'm just right, like, right, right, you're, right, right. you're just kind of like reading the situation, you know, waiting for like the. Wait, so you literally had a cross across the marathon, like where people I were cr- running? I crossed. Fourth Avenue, the marathon to get a bag of ice at the bodega that I really like across the street. And like, yeah. but the, but the whole time it was just like, you had this like fervor and energy of the marathon. And then you had me who was just like, dude, I just need to get over there. Yeah. And, you know, so it's like, and that I feel like is New York in a nutshell where there's like constant things happening. But for many people and some people it's just like, dude, I'm just trying to live my life, man. Like I can't be, I can't be hassled right now with this like marathon or whatever. <sighs> <laughs> but that is New York and that was beautifully kind of explained and said, right? Like all the things that are going on that sum up New York City and then you just trying to get to where you need to go. Like the marathon, the musician, the guy in his in his shop with the magazine, not to be bothered. That's New York. That yeah. only happens in New York. 100%. And, and, you'll see, and you'll see it all within the city. Like you don't have to move to see it. You stand in like some uh, location, any location and just like, observe these this juxtaposition happening all the time it's like a little movie scene a little something happening. yeah really. I love that. thank you for sharing that jonathan okay so i can talk about new york with you all night but we, we gotta <laughs> move on to our next segment i'm gonna ask two more questions and um the next one being because this is a show a podcast not only for you know again new yorkers but also those looking to make their way to new york city those who love new york city or just want to learn about it what advice would you give to someone who's looking to make the move to new york city right now like during this time okay now's a tough time because of rents like rents are out of control but uh but i do think that a little piece of advice is like the the way real estate works here i think it's kind of back to the way it used to be if not worse mm-hmm. uh where like mm-hmm. i it was always it's always mind-boggling for people who haven't lived in new york to understand that they can't lock up their apartment within outside of like two months everywhere else you could be like yeah i'm gonna start looking for like what's now november and it's like uh looking for a place in january or february like you can do that in other places and here it's like you can straight up call realtors or brokers or whatever and they're like like if you're looking for like january 15th they're like call me like january 2nd <laughs> you know like you yeah. can't and then and that puts you on edge because you're like dude i need to like get this figured out uh like Absolutely. right away but here it's like that piece of advice is, is like don't be alarmed when that happens because you can't have the lead time here like you would other places because things happen at the last second and mm-hmm. the and so many things change all the time whether it's like rates or desirabilities or like whatever and and so like that's something that just happens like 
right at the edge of comfort, way past the edge of comfort, but right at the edge of like when you need to have it. Um, And also like uh, we did this in LA, but I think it goes for New York as well. It's like, try to, if you have some time to move out, I would say like, go get some Airbnbs for a few days a week uh, at a time in different locations, different neighborhoods, different boroughs to see mm-hmm. what you think and feel. And if the, if you dig the surroundings or like the different uh, characteristics of those specific neighborhoods. And uh, instead of just like moving somewhere and like having no idea, like how it works with, uh, if it's like a, a zone that has like no subways or like mm-hmm. uh, an unfortunate like food desert or something. And you have to be walk like 25 minutes to get to anything that you want to do. Um, yeah. you can figure it out for sure when you kind of like, yeah, get an Airbnb and like live, live in some places for a few days, at least. I love that. Those are two great tips. And now since you are a New Yorker, um, you know, I ask people who are not New Yorkers, they're like, I have nothing to say to New Yorkers, <laughs> but since you are one, any, any advice for just native New Yorkers, New Yorkers in general, it does it could be about anything or nothing at all, but just wanted to put that out there. There, there's always a, something nice here politically where you feel like people are really involved or at least like vocal about situations that are happening on your block or in the world. Um, mm. And uh, and a lot of times it takes a certain level of, of rage to, to be involved in things like that. And uh, so I would say like, stay angry, <laughs> which yeah. I know is not, not always the greatest thing for people. Uh, that New Yorkers want to experience or, or keep on dealing with. But like a lot of times when you're at your angriest is, is when you, um, when you get the make most. Change. Yeah, exactly. When you make the most change. That mm, yeah, resonated with me a lot. So thank you for kind of ending this New York story segment of yours in that way. Um, you know, we're going to move on to our next segment, which is getting to know about your career and the projects you're working on. Some of which include gossip girl. Um, gossip Nista here. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. I wanted to hop in here to ask that if you haven't yet, if you could please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever you listen. This will help me reach more people and spread the word about New York City and those who love it. And if you want to stay up to date, be sure to follow at Gossipnista Podcast on Instagram. Now, back to the show. As we all know, you are an actor a writer, a director, a producer, and something that I just kind of found out, a comedian as well. And, oh, yeah. you know, the list I know you would, never, you would never know it from Gossip Girl, for sure. Sure, right? But that's, like, amazing to kind of find out. So, you know, you play Nick Lott on the new series Gossip Girl. But before we dive into that and other projects you're working on, let's, let's kind of peel it back. Where did you go to school? Like, what was your major? And then what led you into acting? Like, that would be wonderful to know. I... Did the school play in high school? I did like a musical in high school. Um, at mm. no point did I think I would get into acting ever. But when I went to, I ended up going to Penn State in Pennsylvania, and uh, mm. which is like this ma- massive Division One school, uh, liberal arts. Uh, it's one of the biggest schools in the country with like the most amount of uh, students and population. Um, and I, I went there because I didn't really know what I wanted to do, which, you know, is not at all a unique situation for a 17 year old to find themselves in. And um, in fact, we pressured them too much to know what they're supposed to do. They don't, nobody knows. Uh, And so, yeah, I went there because they had a lot of options and I knew that I was going to end up in the city anyway. So like I could also, all the other, that was the only school I 
applied for that was not a city school, but I ended up choosing that because it wasn't, because uh, mm-hmm. I knew I would always experience the city some other time. Yeah. And uh, whereas this, I wouldn't experience in any other fashion. And so I changed my major unofficially like 10,000 times. Uh, and in in those times, and I landed, landed with uh, telecommunications. Mm-hmm. I got into improv and started doing uh, short form improv uh, shows with a team called Full Ammo, and we were the inaugural team. Uh, it hadn't existed wow. before. Somehow there was no improv at Penn State, which feels like outrageous. Yeah. Um, and so we did that. And then just kind of like, not forgot about it, but like my first internship was at TRL, like at MTV. Oh, wow. Yeah, because I was like kind of well ensconced and like trying to get into production. I produced it and wrote like a late night TV show at Penn State. We only did one episode, but nevertheless. But I was definitely like behind the camera like that. And then once I moved to New York, uh, a friend of mine who's a comedy nerd, uh, my friend Jamie, he was the only person I knew that also knew, actually him and my friend Larry were the only two people I knew who had watched the Upright Citizen Brigade Theater TV show and and knew that they had an improv school in uh, mm-hmm. Manhattan. And so my friend Jamie was like, hey, Matt Walsh, who people know from like Veep and a to- I mean, a ton of stuff. He he and Amy Poehler, Matt Besser, and Ian Roberts, they were like the four, the UCB four, the people who started the, mm. the improv school. He was like, oh, Matt Walsh is doing uh, some auditions for a short film that he's directing. You should go out for it since you'll be in New York. And I was like, yeah, all right. Okay. So I auditioned and it was like me and uh, <laughs> Anthony King was like the first person I read for. And I didn't know who he was. And now it's like, it feels like bananas. I didn't know who he was because he was like, he's kind of like an improv legend. He's like written on like so much stuff. And he's like, uh, he he wrote the music for Beetlejuice the musical. He's like this, uh. like, he's this prolific dude. And, mm-hmm. um, but at the time I had no idea who this guy was. So I was just like, I don't know, whatever. Yeah. And so I did some, they wanted people who can do impressions. And, uh, and so I did some impressions of, uh, that I was doing at the time. And then I got a call back. That was just me and Matt Walsh. Uh, and I ended up playing meagle slash golem from lord of the rings oh my God. and so I, was, yeah. and so I was like and i was wearing this like green lycra onesie like the whole mm-hmm. day on set and just like acting like this creature perched on this like countertop mm-hmm. and all the people i was with were all these other improv uh heavy hitters that i didn't know and i didn't know that that's what their deal was and so i was like oh you guys are all ucb guys and uh now we're all friends but like back then i had no idea who they were and I started taking classes at UCB while I was like a production coordinator at ABC um, for like Good Morning America and uh, The View and a bunch of like their daytime programming. Um, yeah. But I was like working overnight so that I could take classes at UCB in the afternoons and the evenings. And then I got onto a team that performed regularly way sooner than I ever thought I would um, with people. Like the team I was on, we were, it was very unique, very special. Like so many of us from that team became very very successful and that team was like the uh, we were still such good friends but like molly lloyd was on a team like john murray and like darcy carden who's on the good place and now the league of our own and brandon scott jones who's on who's on ghosts like that cbs show like all of us were just like okay. on the same team chris kelly who like the other two is his show and he was like the head writer at snl for a bunch of years like mm-hmm. somehow we were all on the same team it was like really wild awesome. um and uh and so yeah i started performing there and then right away booked this like national commercial for amy poehler and uh because wow. uh, she had a tv show on nickelodeon this like animated show mm-hmm. uh, the mighty b and and so i was like man this is easy this acting stuff like i guess i'm an actor now uh yeah and and, and then <laughs> a- asking friends for advice being like so how do you get like representation and my friend john murray was like 
man, it either just happens or it's like three years. And I was like, you're an idiot. Obviously, you don't know how this works. Uh, <laughs> he said it, what? It either just happens in three years? It either just happens or it's like three years. And I was like, okay. there's no way that's true. Did you, were you listening to what I was saying? I just booked this national commercial, man. I'm famous now. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and honestly, it was like three years to the month that I got my manager. Wow. And, uh, and also... I hadn't, I didn't book anything after that commercial for like eight months. And it was, mm -hmm. uh, the, uh, the Colbert report. I did this, like, I was in this fake commercial that Stephen Colbert was doing. And, and honestly, like from then on, it was just like doing, uh, I was fortunate to be invited to showcases for networks and, uh, whether it's NBC, I did one, I did one for ABC, all these different showcases. And, uh, that's how I got my manager who I'm still with. Uh, she's like a bedrock person for me and, and, and Lauren, my wife, like she's definitely family. And then it was like more commercials, more like like little parts in movies, little parts in TV shows, uh, doing a lot of hosting that allowed me to not uh, have survival jobs anymore. And then like going to conventions, comic book conventions and stuff like that with like a microphone. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah. and then Lethal Weapon happened and then things, uh, you know, significantly changed after that, for sure. Wow. Amazing. OK, so it sounds like Lethal Weapon is what opened the doors for you. And so that was, a, you know, a thriller show with Damon Wayans where mm. you were a forensic pathologist kind of mm. like I think it's like the Dexter but you weren't killing people right? <laughs> that, 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 that anybody ever found out about <laughs> right 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 and you were on that for three seasons that's amazing and, and, and then so from there I know you did some other like comedy things like uh, was it like the at midnight show you did some appearances there right is, yeah is yeah Chris Hardwick um would have me on that show I'm, I'm sure if he was still doing it I would I would do it still like that was a lot of fun mm -hmm. but um but yeah it was uh acting is in it's interesting um for a lot of reasons but uh what i'm getting at is that it feels like people always talk about getting big breaks but for me it feels like there's constant new beginnings and constant new mm -hmm. breaks um mm -hmm. so i feel like it's not it never it's never overnight it's always like overnight 15 years later you know like mm -hmm. there's always so many things that are happening where you're like man that was, like i was just saying I got on a team at UCB. This is my break. But then I booked my first commercial. Wow, this is my new break. And then this is the first time I'm, I'm on television for a TV show. This is my big break. All right, now I have a manager. Uh, and oh, now I have an agent. All these things. And it's like, oh, now I'm a series regular. So it never feels like, to me, it never feels like some singular moment. It feels like a series of dominoes that hopefully are gaining momentum that if, if things fortunately work out certain ways, then you can be eternally grateful that you're uh at all paid ever <laughs> like mm -hmm. in any capacity for doing this because absolutely you, you oftentimes do it for for free unfortunately in the beginning and so but yeah like lethal weapon definitely was a thing that was like all right i'm a serious regular on a show i mm -hmm. i know a little bit um but i learned so much on that show and then going on to to gossip world the following year um it's mm -hmm. weird to then not feel like you i always feel new i don't know i feel new in every single thing i'm doing even if it's like when people are asking me to do stuff that are uh way famous or whatever it still feels like i don't know brand new to me i never I, i'm never gonna get used to it i don't think nor do i want to we have to go back on that okay so you know the, the domino fell into the gossip girl you know series regular and so here we are you're nick law on gossip girl and how, how did that come about how did you get the invitation for that and then you know how 
how has it been being on the set of Gossip Girl in this major show that has had a history and it's kind of revived and, and you guys are killing it at it? Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, it, it it happened in a little bit of an unorthodox manner. And uh, I say that because I was, uh, I was fortunate that Gossip Girl was, uh, I had just been on a Warner Brothers show and Gossip Girl was going to be a Warner Brothers show as well. Um, mm-hmm. And so the casting uh, uh, director, Cassandra Kolokundis, um, is someone I've known for many, many years. And she actually put me in my first movie, uh, which was uh, The Disappearance of Eleanor Rigby. Mm-hmm. Um, my first like big movie. Uh, and uh, you should see it if you haven't. I get to punch James McAvoy in the face in it. It's, it's a great movie. And it was little. It was like small, like, I, you know, like a small part of him in like a scene only. But uh, nevertheless, like, uh, Cassandra was curious if I had ever had had thought at the time to be a dad already because I, you know, skew a lot younger. Like everything about me is pretty youthful in general. Um, and so I was like, yeah, you know, I like I'm down for anything, like whatever. And it just so happens that like Whitney was the first person that was hired, and so and Cassandra knew me and was just like, wow, you actually look alike. <laughs> you know, and oh, so okay. and and I remember like you know a year later, hanging out with Whitney. It was like me, Whitney, and my wife Lauren uh, hanging out somewhere in Williamsburg, and I just like was so distracted, just like looking at Whitney's eyes the whole time. So I'm like, I was like, you have the same eyes. Like everything about it, I was just like, we're <laughs> like it was so weird because I'm like, I'm not gonna have, we're not gonna have any kids, and so it feel so it felt like I don't know. I was like, this is it. I'm fine, and which I'm fine with. I'm like having Whitney as a fake child, like on television, is like all the child rearing I need. Oh my god! But it was um. And so, and when I met Whitney, like, so because I knew the, I already had the relationship of Warner Brothers and I had just been on their show and, and, and people seem to have might like me over there. Uh, they asked me to do a studio test uh, chemistry read with Whitney. And so mm-hmm. like, and when I met her, um, I met her mom and I was wearing like my most boring suit, my most boring glasses, uh, because I was so worried that they would think that I'm too young for it. And so when I spoke to, when I was speaking to her and her mom, I, I wasn't saying like, word i didn't say son i didn't say cool i didn't say anything i'm like i I wasn't making any youthful references i didn't mention like my nintendo 3ds like i didn't talk about like any of that stuff motorcycles your you know your i I think i heard skateboard as well and you do yeah and 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 the anime you like and all these like fun stuff yeah all that stuff was shut down like i didn't bring that up at all um and so because i knew eventually you know things went a certain way that they were going to ask whitney what she thought and the last thing I wanted was to come off as like a big brother or like some kind of guardian or something. I wanted to come be like, this is my daughter. And so, um, but we had a great time. Like we were in there for, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes. And we were joking about stuff like immediately. It felt like we had known each other our whole lives. Um, and it, and right away, it did feel like this is someone I want to take care of. Like, I don't like, she's so young and, and this business is nuts. And even in that room in that first time, it felt like this is someone I want to, hopefully be there for in like some capacity mm-hmm. and again you know i found out later when the studio heads at warner brothers watched it like the one president like didn't even recognize me from lethal weapon because it was so different like lethal really? weapon was, was so like i was such a like goofball like hipster scientist on that show like nerdy like mm-hmm. not super comfortable around the opposite sex like uh mm-hmm. you know word vomity kind of guy and my afro was all out and i was wearing all this like eclectic clothing and all that stuff and and so when they saw me in this capacity being like this like loving 
parents and we did but we yeah and what we did was like the first scene like like nick and zoya's first scene in the pilot where he's like making uh, a pumpernickel bagel for her and sees her in like the constance billard um you know outfit for the first time and that's the scene we did and so like we were able to really kind of play off each other and feel very warm from the beginning and so the way and then i got the part a few days later and and uh so i think i was like the second person hired maybe like third or something like that and out of the mm -hmm. big cast and so it kind of happened like a really unorthodox way but since then i mean it's like you know we get along so well like Wendy comes over all the time like and i've helped her build furniture i've done like i've picked wow. up furniture for like we've done like a yeah. lot of like at ikea hopefully not i've had a story with someone at ikea so oh yeah, I yeah. i did bring i brought okay. both her and her mom to ikea um okay I, I took them like my wife and i took them to their first like new york christmas like we went uh the four of us to rockefeller center and like yeah that that first year and really kind of like showed them around and stuff and uh and yeah so like uh we've gotten along like you know jordan feels like another like kind of like sister of mine kind of thing uh yeah. you know it's so, like and grace the new addition to this season like uh like us and like we all get along really well we're always like joking a ton and like i love um i feel like i look up to the other parents so much so i'm in this weird middle ground where i'm like older than the kids but mm -hmm. i'm the youngest parent by by some by right. a big right. break and so like mm -hmm. uh and I look up to, they all have like Tonys, <laughs> not all of them, but like, they're so like respected in like the theater community, especially in like, you know, meeting Luke Kirby, who plays like uh, Julian uh, Callaway's dad, Davis. And also mm -hmm. I'm just being like in awe that I'm like working with these people and like feel mm -hmm. so thankful and so grateful for uh, to be like in the same breath as them basically. Right. Uh, and and right. it's really, it's really cool. Oh my gosh. I love hearing this. I love hearing the dynamic that, that you had, you know, yourself and Whitney, like right off the bat, like, and you kind of taking it off screen as well, right? So that's amazing. You kind of showed her the lay of the land of New York City, because she's not from New York, right? She kind of came into no, New York. No, yeah, she was, she was born in, in Uganda and uh, had some time in Dubai, and then but mostly is like a Canadian. So yeah, this was like her first time here, yeah. That's amazing. Oh my gosh. Okay, well, here you guys are. We're running into the second season, which is going to premiere, you know, December 1st. Yeah. What can you share with us about the new season coming up? I mean, I'm, I've seen the trailer. There's a lot of, it looks like plot twist and like, you know, just crazy madness things happening. What, what can we expect? Um, Man. Yeah. It's the show moves so fast. Uh, and, and so it's wild. Like I've seen the first few episodes and, uh, and it's mm -hmm. funny to think about like how, much other stuff happens you know so like the, the first few episodes happen and when i'm watching i'm like forgetting it happened because so many other things happen later that it's just like oh yeah i forgot that was like a thing or whatever and so like you know so the the trailer does obviously like pinpoint a lot of things that are you know some like very very juicy elements but mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. but the show is really compact like it has a ton of stuff that happens and uh and i'm really excited for like for Nick Lott, especially um, mm -hmm. because he, uh, without giving anything away, he starts getting like, it, it jumps off from that point of like him accepting Davis's money at the end of the first season. Yeah, he's it selling kinda, his Brooklyn home, right? A, yeah, and along with his soul, you know? And so like, oh. it does become a thing where it's like interesting to, it jumps off from that point where Nick gets like a little dirty. Like, he, like all of a sudden he's like, uh making decisions where he's like trying just to be the good parent the good guy but 
he gets sucked in like everybody else into all the like ah. upper east side nonsense that he hates yeah. you know and uh and so that that was really exciting to have the shoe on the other foot a little bit because there's like some scenes where it's like nick is like acting up you know especially with, like uh he's like zoya you know always is that person that's like righteous and like stirring the mm -hmm. pot and and there's a time where like uh nick gets to do that and it was like one of the most fun days i had on set because it was just like he was so like nick relax <laughs> you know kind of thing wow. yeah it's so like right. i'm really yeah i'm excited for people to see that and uh and then not to mention like the kids were just getting into like so much trouble and hijinks like all the time and the the locations get better and bigger and we got to shoot at like oh yeah where we met like we uh at the new york public mm -hmm. library like yeah you know huge venues and like chilling at the guggenheim like four nights in a row at, at, at 3 a.m you know and like yeah. seeing all these like very new yorky places uh you know so the show gets like it is 2.0 it gets it gets bigger and better and gossipier Oh, you said it so perfectly. Now I have two specific questions that you don't have to, you know, dish out as as much as you can. But you and Kate Keller, is something going to happen between you two there? Because I've already felt like there's something there. And so it's like, where are we going in the second yeah. season? I mean, like, yeah, because like the last thing, I mean, you know, I'm surprised that they kept the curse in because I think I improvised that. Like at the, the last time Nick says, sees Kate and he says like, you know, uh, I forget what it's, it's something like, her, yeah, yeah, like, you know, get the, uh, like, until, no, I just can't remember how it went, but something about, yeah, like, get I mean, the fuck out of here, basically, yeah, and, yeah. or leave, oh, no, leaving the fuck alone, that's what it is, mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah. and so, um, but there are scenes, like, pretty, like, surprising scenes with, uh, with Nick and Kate, definitely in the first episode, of just like, oh, man, all right, so maybe, like, it just keeps you guessing as, like, kind of, like, what's their deal, um mm -hmm. and i will say though there's like a lot of there's things that happen though where it's just like uh it, i will say i will say this when all all is said and done it does kind of definitively feel like it like something like it goes in one direction or the other it like a hundred percent you're like this is what's happening wow but yeah yeah i wish i could tell okay. you more but well you have to watch yes we're gonna have to tune in i can't wait like I, i'm so excited just thinking about this okay now before we move on to another area, because I want to talk about other projects you're working on, there's an original Gossip Girl cast member that's joined this season, Georgina Sparks. I mean, literally fire flames. That's what I think of when I think of her, you know, madness. Um, is, is it, is it going to be as wild as I'm thinking or, or what's your perspective on that? Yeah, it's definitely like the way she's introduced is really fun. Uh, unfortunately, like I didn't get to meet Michelle, like our, our uh, mm -hmm. uh, like our, uh, paths did not exactly align with how the stories were going and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Um, but it was always like, I, I, when I was reading everything, I was just like, dang, it's really, really juicy. Like, you know, cause there's already so much pot stirring in the show and, mm -hmm. uh, and to have her bring her flavor of, uh, of chaos was, was really interesting to see unfold. Um, especially with her and okay. yeah, cause okay. I think you, yeah, you see in the trailer. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. especially with her and Kate, it's just like, she really like, to be crass like she really fucks kate's shit up <laughs> like you know like hard uh and oh, so like wow. yeah so it's like cool to see her be a part of that um especially because we saw her son in like the first uh season but mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. uh yeah that's like a really fun fun element that is brought to the second season for sure 
Amazing. Well, you definitely, you know, wheeled us into the new season of Gossip Girl. We're so excited for it. I, I can't, I can't wait. I mean, I can ask a million questions. I am so thankful that you have come on and shared, you know, what's going to happen on the second season of Gossip Girl what, as much as you can. It's, it's so exciting. I'm, ex I'm excited for the new season. Let's move into current projects that you're working on right now. Because I know you are, again, writing, directing, and producing a short film that, that you're doing. I kind of want to know a little bit about that. And then we'll move on to our speed round of New York Minute segment. Sure, yeah. Um, I also forgot to mention, like, Gossip Girl-wise, that, uh, mm -hmm. that, like, something interesting that happens is that, uh, you know, the Nick and Zoya relationship that was like felt so sound starts to like fracture in a way and like you know there's there's times that we're like really going at each other and stuff like that that was like really interesting to to do because it was very different from the first season so oh, be excited wow. for that too okay. um okay but yeah no otherwise i've been focusing yeah a lot of like writing stuff um there's a uh, a book proposal i just finished that's like um mm -hmm. part poetry book part memoir and it goes off of the it's about like my the uh, the love story of my wife and I and then a lot of poetry that I had written at the time that like we were broken up for a year at one point before we were married mm -hmm. and a mm -hmm. lot of like heartache and a lot of stuff happened during that time and I wrote a lot of poems and and the book is basically like telling the stories of the poems mixed in with the poems themselves and so I thought it was a cool way to put together uh, a memoir and so like that you know, it's like it, close to finish so like I'm I'm waiting to you know, start putting that in, in front of people, uh, publishers who hopefully get it uh, uh, wow. printed. But um, there's that. And there's a production company that I I, I did a short film with Stephanie Beatrice um, mm -hmm. a few years ago. And uh, I've written the feature version of that. So it's just kind of like sitting tight on that. And mm -hmm. I haven't released a short yet either. So I need to release that at some point. But that short was produced through my production company. And I'm like trying to get funding for it. And it looks like Fingers mm -hmm. crossed, like early mm -hmm. uh, next year, hopefully we could fully launch uh, with yeah. uh, getting some some IP as well. Uh, so that's pretty exciting. I'm pretty like jazzed about that. Like I just started talking to uh, about that again because like the pandemic uh, paused yeah. things. But uh, we're talking about to... Lillian, right? Yeah, yeah, Lillian. Yeah. Okay. And so yeah, I wrote so the, sure. yeah, I wrote the feature version of Lillian, uh, which is it feels like a very cool like romantic dramedy uh that stephanie would would do it again as she says uh if she's not too busy because she's in everything uh mm -hmm. and uh it's so inspiring and lyndon smith who is in the new uh the national treasure show on disney plus she said that she would uh, reprise her role and i talked to um my friend emily uh ricards who was on green arrow uh or arrow mm -hmm. rather uh she would be in it too so like all these really exciting people would be in it uh so it's just a matter of like putting you know, push coming to shove and uh, and getting that production label kind of like started officially. Yeah. Otherwise, like, yeah, looking to direct my first short, like yeah. I've directed like stage shows and especially sketch comedy shows and stuff like that. But like I wrote a short, like a sci-fi drama that my friend Chandler Kinney, who is on um, the new Pretty Little Liars and we did Lethal Weapon together, like her, uh, she's also very busy now. So I'm not sure if she's going to still be able to do it, but I hope like her and Trisha Helfer um, and Michelle Hurd was somebody else who was supposed to be in it too. Uh, I'm just trying to get the funding together to to do that because it's like pretty high techy, pretty sci-fi ish, yeah. and it has to do with like memories and memory loss and that kind of thing. So like trying to make it on a budget, like something that looks that you know really high high highbrow. And uh, oh yeah, also this graphic novel. There's a graph. I'm like in this opening stages of 
trying I can draw but I want like a serious illustrator to get on board uh with this like one thing I'm doing with this like dystopian society kind of thing um comic book like something oh yeah for sure yeah so it's like trying I don't want to say too much about it because I'm like I think it's like such a good idea and I just want to make sure that it gets done first not good idea I'm not trying to sound arrogant I just mean that's a very fun idea that I hope uh, yeah that hope comes to fruition I just started working on that um but yeah, otherwise, like hopefully, you know, season three, hopefully we, we find out about that too. Absolutely. But fingers crossed. I, I believe so on season three. I'm excited. It sounds like you're just busy overall. Mm-hmm. Jonathan, it's like crazy. You got a lot of things you have your hands in right now. But I'm so happy that you gave me the time tonight to talk about, you know, again, your New York story, Gossip Girl. Now, I do want to mention something poorly because, you know, yo sé que tú hablas español como yo hablo español tú me dijiste que donde, de dónde eres o tu, tu familia yo de soy de México oh, de la, la ciudad de México o, o la otra parte ajá uh-huh. la ciudad de México Guadalajara chévere, chévere. y tú y mi papá es hondureño y mi mamá colombiana colombiana y español es la única idioma que hablas o hablas otra cosa yo eh, hace como un año y medio empecé a uh, uh, japonés. Yeah. Y, y si puedo hablar, uh, I could have conversations, like, mm-hmm. like I could have little conversations and introduce myself, introduce my family, like ask directions. Like I could do all the rudimentary, like Japanese. Yeah. Stuff. Everyone. And we were just obviously speaking Spanish here, but yeah, that's why I, switched over. I was like, oh yeah, yeah this is in a, a Spanish language podcast. <laughs> we just like started talking in Spanish. Um, uh, you noted that you could speak Japanese as well, right? Or you're like learning. Yeah, I've been, it learning, and... yeah, I've been learning for like a year and a half and, uh, and it's been really cool to, um, now have like, I've had Japanese friends, but to be able to like ask them how they're doing in Japanese and like to understand mm-hmm. a lot more of it is just like, the, yeah. you know, such a dream come true. Yeah, well, you are really good at Spanish. You're really good at writing it, <laughs> reading it, texting it. I'm really bad at it, so forgive me, but it's been such a pleasure kind of, you know, knowing that, you know, you speak Spanish too. We can communicate on that level. Yeah, no, of course. You're um, great at it. What are you saying? I, I use Google Translate. <laughs> I didn't hey, just honestly, say that. <laughs> honestly, though, if it's there, why not? Like, it's a great way. Uh, me too, especially because I'm not uh, good with the, the accents, especially, and sometimes, like, mm-hmm. some of the mm-hmm. future it's tenses. Silly. Yeah, some mm-hmm. of the future tenses, I get... Uh, because, you know, when I, just like my family and I growing up, like we didn't talk like that. We certainly didn't talk with any of the industry terms I need to know, you know. So that's something mm-hmm. I had to like learn because I didn't know any of the vocabulary in Spanish for like anything regarding entertainment or production or TV yeah. and any of that stuff. So that was, that was huge. Yeah. That was very different. It's amazing though that like you grew up with like keeping it and, you know, still speaking it and, and knowing it as well as you do. So yeah. that, and people awesome. and you don't know, like when you watch like any of the things I'm in, you have no idea that this guy's an Afro-Latino. That's what I'm trying to like always you know shout it out to everybody yes and this is why i wanted to note that so thank you with that being said please tell everyone i'm I'm sure everyone knows where to find you but where can they connect with you where can they you know on social media where can they learn more about the projects you're working on um if you can just let us know that yeah i think uh, i've I've kind of like put everything centrally on instagram and um and so like that's that's where you can easily uh chat with me or like see what i'm up to and that's a jthan prime jthan prime like optimus prime mm. um or prime numbers and uh yeah and otherwise like i have a website that just has like it has the bullet points but there's like who has a website mm-hmm. anymore <laughs> you know it doesn't fit, it feels right. like really yeah. i mean everyone's on social yeah, yeah exactly. so i'll plug that in where you guys Please. can connect there but um before i let you go jonathan i do like to play this um you know, a little fast segment that's like called New York Minute. Um, but I kind of changed something up because I wanted to do like a speed round of Gossip Girl. Sure. 
It's and it's a little mix of the old Gossip Girl and the new Gossip Girl. Are you, are you okay to play that? And you can. Yeah, I mean, I might not know enough because I, I didn't. I, I don't know too much about the original, but I'll I'll gladly try. Let, let's see. If not, we'll kind of dive into the New York minute. Okay, so which original Gossip Girl male cast member spoke to you the most? Chuck Bass, <laughs> Dan Humphrey, Nate Archibald. Um, out of those three, I would say Dan Humphrey because I'm definitely like I always have had those outsider vibes and just like commenting on the thing from the outside and just being like this is nuts like everything that's mm -hmm. happened like i'm not a part of this or whatever um ah. so i think dan especially uh yeah as that new kid i feel like i i, I gravitate towards the new kid a lot otherwise i would say rufus for obvious reasons since he's basically like yes like rufus i see that i see that okay um team serena or team blair serena i feel like from what i've seen i don't know blair felt like like I, w I feel like Serena could hang out with and Blair like not <laughs> like Blair it's like mm -hmm. I feel like she would be on her phone the whole time pretty much or, or plotting something against you but yes yeah. okay. now I Monet has gotten a little spicy in in this season it looks like right like like she is going against Julian and mm -hmm. so uh Monet and Georgina between a show down there who do you think would win uh I think Georgina because it feels like whether she has a lot to lose or not it, it feels like from what i know of georgina she she always plays like she has nothing to lose like she's ready to like she's like like i wouldn't want to play a game of chicken with her at all because i feel like she would just yeah. she would definitely like the flame would be like licking her hand for sure and so yeah. like yeah um you know i love uh i love monet but uh as a character but i think georgina was smoker oh okay 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 and it's not fair to ask this but i'm going to like obviously team zoya or team julian is there like you know a fight going on there is is that the whole plot is like blair and serena there uh i mean i think it's just kind of like what's what's interesting about their dynamic is like uh, it's cool that they have that sister thing because mm -hmm. that's an interesting way to explore things because even though they're like new sisters it still mm -hmm. is like there's like love there's always like love lost you know and they and they try to patch things up and they try to have some kind of home base because they do know that they have this like familial bond um mm -hmm. so i don't know I don't, I don't know what the show the show has in store for them but i'd be surprised if it does become like serena and blair vibes because they they still do have like there's interesting stories to tell through like the sister perspective of like how mm -hmm. sisters would uh would be frenemies sometimes yeah. And I love how they kind of intertwined it that way so it doesn't become the other way. Okay, uh, last question on this. It's uh, original. what original cast member, aside from Regina Sparks and Michelle Trachtenberg, who's on the show, would you like to see make an appearance on? There's one that I am in a scene with that's very hush-hush uh, <gasps> in season two. That's not like, I don't want to say pretty much more than anything but it's still like uh, but i was like that was really fun to be around for that and uh and i know that like having any any of that core cast back and being able to like do uh something or like you know say nick lott is like defending one of them for some reason or something like defending chuck bass or something like it'd be fun to play with like such og characters that like you know with, uh, and with actors who know their characters so well even even if it has been 10 years uh you know, it'd be really cool, honestly. Uh, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I think like, yeah, doing, I would love to do something with like all the parents, you know, especially to like compare notes. Like if there are scenes of being like, you know, that kind of thing, that'd be really fun. Amazing. I mean, from, you know, your lips to the Gossip Girl directors and producers, <laughs> right? Let's get on 
you know, people from the OG one, but you guys are really, like I said, killing it. I'm excited for the second season. Jonathan, do you want to play the New York minute? Do you have a minute? Yeah, let's <laughs> just do it. Let's so we have that. Sure, let's okay, here we go. Uptown or downtown? Based on just where I've lived, I would say uptown, but I don't know. I like downtown a lot. East side or west side? Yeah, another tough one. East side sometimes gets a bad rap, so, um, but for good reason also. I think if I were to go to try to hang out in one right now, I would say west side. I think I know the answer here. Subway, bus, walking, motorcycle, mode of transportation. Yeah, uh, if it's not motorcycle, like I walk as much as I can. Favorite neighborhood in New York City? Uh, Greenwich Village. Mm, yes, I love Greenwich Village. Favorite borough in New York City? Uh, I mean, I have to represent Brooklyn. Like this is where I was born and Brooklyn has a lot. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, favorite food in New York City or restaurant, either one? There's a there's a like high, high-end Mexican place that you should go to with your family. Mm, um, it's called? Called Cosme. And uh, Cosme. it's in Flatiron and it's been routinely on like the the top 50 restaurants in the world. It's been on that list for, for several years. They are so good. Uh, so that's like the high, high-end, but otherwise like, a pizza from Delizia is like my favorite thing in the world. Like they have two locations on the Upper East Side. Oh my God, I'm hitting those places ASAP. That sounds amazing. Okay, favorite um, New York tourist destination? Like if it had to be one of the big touristy things, what would you pick? Um, you know what? Like there's so many I haven't done, I, but I do like taking the Staten Island Ferry. Uh, that's mm -hmm. like the, the cheapest one because it's zero dollars. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And you see a lot of great uh, views, but otherwise yes. like, uh, going to like my favorite park, uh, hands down is Bryant Park. Like I, I love mm -hmm. sitting, like laying down in Bryant Park in the, in the lawn and just like looking up and seeing like you're surrounded by all these tall buildings. It's great. Like Central Park is obviously great. Prospect Park too. And Brooklyn Bridge Park is amazing. Like, uh, I really like the, in terms of tourist stuff, that's not quite the same thing, but like, I like going to the parks a lot. I haven't been to the top of the Empire State Building. Like I, I did do State Statue of Liberty. That was fun. Ellis Island is also really like eye opening. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I love that you named a lot of amazing things. Do you have a non-tourist destination? Something that's like your go-to? Maybe you don't have to reveal that because then someone, else, you know. But like <laughs> this is not quite the same thing. But like uh, I used to really love uh, like the kind of skateboarding I did was like always a, a longboard just for transportation. Mm -hmm. And I would love going down, like shredding Sixth Avenue uh, toward World Trade at night because you're just like going towards World Trade Center the whole time. It's just like feels like such a New Yorky street. Uh, it's a nice street to walk down south, especially because you're just like you see World Trade Center pretty much the entire time, mm -hmm. you know. But otherwise, like yeah, everything around like around that area, like South Street Seaport. I know that's that's a touristy place. That's my favorite touristy place, South Street Seaport. I really love it. I love it. There. Okay. Yeah, I love it there. I, I yeah. totally envisioned myself skateboarding down 6th Street, even though I would never, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. like you painted it. Okay. Favorite holiday in the city? I mean, Christmas is it, isn't it? Like, I, I think that what's something that's really cool about New York is that you feel all the seasons because of everything is just like, mm -hmm. it's always in your face, like what the new thing is, like the new era that you're in. But I do think that like Christmas in New York is like unbelievable. Um, I try to do all the all the things like you know going to I've never skated in Rockefeller Center, but I always go to watch the skaters and uh, mm. and experience the tree and seeing all the stuff. It's like it's so magical. I love that. Yes, it's, it's definitely magical. Favorite we can get away from the city. The Jersey Shore is pretty accessible, but like um, mm. I do like going up to Harriman State Park, which is like north of like north northeast of Paramus. I know you go to, through Paramus to get there, but like 
the leaf peeping up there is great. There's like a billion trails to, uh, to go in the mountain, a lot of cool hiking in Harriman State Park. And then also, uh, it's not too far from the outlets. There's uh, like the Tanger outlets, or I think the Tanger ones, I've heard the name. There's like outlets out there too, and it's just like okay. pretty easy. And then obviously Cold Spring, New York, and Beacon, New York are like so pretty and so nice to get to. You said a lot of new things I haven't heard before, so I love that. Okay. You have Thanks. to go, go basically just go up, like get in a canoe and go up the Hudson uh -huh. Hudson River, uh, you know, and just like every town that you hit going up there, especially because like Hudson, the town, has like mm -hmm. the nicest main street you'll ever see in your life. It's like mm -hmm. a, a mile long. You spend all okay. day there easy, uh, easily. It's such a, it's a really nice place to go check out. Beautiful, beautiful. Okay, um, one word to describe New York City. Hectic. And number one tip on how to live your best life in New York. This is life in general, but it goes a long way in New York. Uh, prioritize your happiness above all things. Mm -hmm. and, then, and then when you see that and stop compromising yourself uh, or even compromising your happiness, you will see that it goes a long way, especially in a place in New York that can be very challenging to live in. But uh, that could be a nice like North Star. Oh, I love it. Yes, that is a wonderful North Star to point out there, Jonathan. Thank you so, so much for your time today. Again, for dropping in on the podcast, talking about your New York story, Gossip Girl, which we're all super excited for, the projects you're working on, and all these tidbits about New York City that, you know, are vital to this podcast. So thank you. Thank yeah, you thank so you so much, much for having me. It's an, it's an honor and a, and a privilege. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Gossipista. Your support means the world. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please be sure to hit the subscribe button and share this podcast with your friends. Can't wait till next week's episode. Follow along on Instagram at Gossipista to get my latest New York happenings. But if you live and breathe New York City like I do and want even more, Go to our website at gossipmista.com, explore, and subscribe to our newsletter to get insider tips first. Lastly, if you have any questions and or scoop on the city, you can email me at gossipmista at gmail.com. Until next time, you know you love me. XOXO, Gossipmista.